Right now, Amazon is offering some amazing extra perks that come with a job offer. If you start a warehouse job, you can get a $1,000 sign-on bonus. That means you start earning a paycheck right away, plus you get extra cash to use before the holidays. Applying is so easy, you don't even need an interview. It's never been so rewarding to start an hourly job that's close to home. So what are you waiting for? To join the team today, visit Amazon.com slash sign-on bonus. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Yeah. 
All right, and it is Sunday again. It is late morning, early afternoon. I don't know what part of the day it is yet whenever I decide to post this thing. Um, And on this episode, I am joined by the accurately unstable um, cohort. Not Vince, because um, Vince has not agreed to do anything yet. Um... But uh, I'm talking about Mr. Cole Nedved is joining me this week, or this episode of the Sunday Show. Cole, how, how are we doing? doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. Just uh, just trying to survive this last winter storm that uh, is apparently hitting the Midwest um, today and the rest of the week. Winter storm? Uh, yeah. It's, it's snowing? Crazy. Yeah, it's snowing. Uh, I have a trip to Minneapolis. Um this weekend planned and they're supposed to get like 20 to 25 inches of snow in the next two days and you'll still take the trip you won't uh i think so uh i have a very big responsibility for this trip um yeah a good friend of mine is is uh his name is michael shines he's a singer songwriter and uh he is um having a album release party at the biggest venue in Minneapolis as far as um, theaters go. Uh, and, yeah, he's he's pretty close to selling it out, and uh, he's been a very dear, dear friend of mine. I'm actually kind of managing a lot of his social media and um, doing a lot of his um, booking and contracts and stuff right now. So um, I have to make it for the show on Friday night. So, uh, yeah, 25 inches of snow or not. I will. Uh, I will be there. So, and it's a three and a half hour drive from Des Moines. Uh, oh, it's a drive! Trip. Holy oh, shit! Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it's gonna be a fun, fun Friday. We'll we'll see if I even make it. Four wheel, I hope. Ah uh, no! Oh no! I'm oh. cruising in a little Chevy Sonic. Oh it's, god! Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a death trap waiting to happen. But, oh no! Uh, I've, I've driven a lot worse. I'm from the Midwest. You you get you either you either drive in this shit or you don't, and you, you, you and you you know you end up not doing anything all winter. So uh, you know some of us decide to drive anyways. That would be me. I would hibernate like a fucking bear <laughs> and just not come out until the thaw. Yeah, I, a lot yeah. of people do that. My mom does that. You won't see her for months on end. But as soon as, as soon as it hits sixty five and the sun's out, she'll never go back inside. Yeah, see, that's 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 good weather. That's not ice, not snow. Nice. Yeah. Peaceful. I mean, the crazy thing is, two days ago on Monday or whatever, it was uh, almost eighty degrees. So, put that into perspective. It's like uh, fucking. Uh, schizophrenic uh, uh, weather patterns out there. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, it's crazy, man. But yeah, here down here in Des Moines, we're not really supposed to get too much. But uh, but yeah, where I'm headed, it's it's supposed to be crazy. So oh. that that I wish you all the luck in the world because that oh god that that just sounds so bad. I I oh I'm sorry. I just I can't I can't even imagine that. Oh no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But so anyway, it's been a lot of years here since uh, I guess we started talking first in uh, I want to say back in in was it two thousand? Wait, because we started on Rabbit and Red started on Horror Bid. 
I guess, at the end of 2010. So I think it was like around Christmas of 2010, I think, is when we started on Horrorbid. Yeah, that makes sense. And before uh, that was Blog Talk. But then I know you, you know, you came out, you were, you were a, a very big supporter of the show. And, um, you know, just how did you even get into that? I mean, we were two guys from Pennsylvania that um, nobody really knew or, or cared about, you know. And I was a lunatic. Vince was just... <laughs> I don't know what Vince was. Vince was Vince. Vince Let's just Vince, say that. Yeah, Vince. Vince was definitely Vince, and Vince is still definitely Vince. Yes. Uh, nothing has changed on that that end of things. Uh, man, I honestly don't even know. Um, I think one day I was cruising the web. Uh, you know, being a very big horror fan myself, I ended up somehow on Horrorbid, the website, and uh, you know, just reading their articles and reading everything and I really liked how everything had switched at that time so I was like on Horrorbid for a while and then it was just like kind of Justin doing all the writing and maybe a couple other people mm-hmm. and then everything kind of switched formats where you could kind of create a login and you could write for Horrorbid oh, yeah. and it and it was kind of a way a really cheap way of Justin doing it you know like oh everybody can write so therefore my website gets all this activity and I don't have to pay anybody anything right um, you know, clever on his part, if you will, I guess. But uh, and I was studying journalism at the time, so it was a cool thing for me, honestly, where I could write articles and use them for school, mm. and also get them published online where other people are reading them. Um, and then, um, you know, at that time, like what shit, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, whenever this was, you know, that's kind of almost the start of podcasts really i mean you know really kind of getting going you know every once in a while you would hear something or somebody you know post a podcast or something but they weren't as big as what they are now and you know you guys were doing yours and um what was that other shitty show that was on horror bid oh house of horror with joe Uh, and tom right was that it yes yeah yeah, those two dickweeds um yeah, man, I had uh, quite a few back and forth with those idiots, too. Um, God, those two are just the most unintelligent people I've probably ever spoke to, now that I remember. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it kind of goes back from there. And then, um, yeah, it just ended up kind of... Uh, ended up on your guys' show somehow from kind of from Horbid, and then... I just kind of really fell in love with what you guys were doing and who you guys were talking to as far as guests and um, just kind of really fell in love with the show. And then, uh, man, I used, I used to call in every once in a while. I'd get, like, blasted drunk and then call the, the line <laughs> and Vince would end up playing, you know, that mm-hmm. segment or something on, on the show. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then I think eventually Vince and I started talking kind of via Facebook and then um, Vince and I... Uh, kind of just became kind of grew a friendship from that and then Mike you were just kind of involved in all of that and then I was eventually asked on the show to be a guest host every once in a while and then everything just kind of uh, you know escalated from there so yeah that was um, those were the glory days um, back in that time because then after horror bid you know that was uh, when that went to shit um, which I don't even was that over the whole Halloween three? 
remake thing? Is that when that'll... Because I'm well, a little fuzzy on it, but is that... Is, you know, people so had asked about that before, so yeah, that's why... Because I don't really yeah. remember, so... I mean, from what I remember. So I remember, yeah, there was like this whole Horbid versus Rabbit Red where Vince and Justin were fighting about something, and like I was... I was like reading an article and writing one at the same time, and then all of a sudden I noticed like all of Rabbit Red's shows were taken down, and the newest one that had just came out was completely taken down. And uh, I was like, "Oh, there's got to be some beef going on here," you know, kind of what's going on. And I knew it kind of happened with like the Halloween Three stuff, um, you know, with the Todd Farmer and that sort of stuff going on. And uh, so I wrote a quick, just I don't know, two page paragraph article of Horbid versus Rabbit Red Radio. And, you know, I just kind of wrote this thing, you know, what's going on? Nobody knows. Uh, I can't get a hold of Vince. Justin hasn't said anything to me. Um, you know, and I just at the end, you know, it's like, stay tuned. We'll find out kind of what's going on sort of thing. And then within an hour, that article was taken down by Justin. And, you know, and I reached out and was like, you know, what the fuck? Like, why... You know, I'm just asking a question. Why are you taking that? Well, I just don't need any negative light on me or Horbid. You know, Rabbit Red can go fuck themselves, this and that. You know, and I was like, yeah, but that has nothing to do with me. I, you know, and like that article, because you can look and see how many views it had. And at that point, within an hour, it already had like 12,000 views. Right. Like it was crazy. Like people were like eating it up. And there, there was quite a few like responses after that too. And people just asking like, yeah, what's going on? Like, you know, that was when Rabin Red had, you know, I don't know what it's doing now, but back then, you know, in the hey, heyday of what you guys were doing, yeah. you know, you guys had quite a bit of of traffic. Yeah, we're, we're we're not there. Ne- we're we're you know we're decent, but we're not there. <laughs> right, right. We are not there, uh, which is fine. That's not a big deal. But you know, back then, a lot of people paid attention, and now, um, you know, and then with that whole thing, so then me and Justin had beef, and then. I got um, booted from Horbid the first time, uh, and then Vince and I kind of had our show um, with you uh, for a while, and then um, uh, Vince ended up talking to Justin and getting me back on Horbid, because Justin's like, well, as long as he's not going to slander me or say anything negative about it, you know, I'll let him back, and then... uh, uh, the second thing happened with Horbid and, and Vince and Rabbit Red that completely got you guys removed um, like a couple months later and um, you know I wrote another kind of Horbid versus Rabbit Red article and I, I was immediately nixed and 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 uh, shut down so uh, I, I moved on and, and so did Rabbit Red and, uh, and then um, you know I ended up doing Rabbit Red for quite some time with um Rich, when that kind of came out, and then uh, when Vince kind of left, and you had kind of left, and then, um, yeah, Rich and I kind of kept it going for a while, and then you came back, and I left, and Rich kept it going for a while, and then uh, now it's you and John, and I've been doing Accurate and Unstable with Vince every once in a while, and um, yeah, that's kind of where we're at now, so yeah, that whole horrid thing, it was basically Vince and, and um, you know, uh, the Horbit guy. Um, why can't I think of his name now? Um, uh, you mean, wait, you, Justin, right? Justin, yeah, yeah sorry. That's, uh, that's yeah, right. basically with, uh, 
you know, that's how that whole thing ended. And I had a kind of big part of that because I somehow magnified that beef and I didn't realize I was doing that. I was just literally writing an article saying, you know, what's going on here? These two, you know, clearly have something going on. Why? What's going on? And, uh, yeah. And Vince always to this day, like, thanks me for, you know, having your guys' back and all that. Just cause I just didn't like, I didn't like him at the time. And, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, I just thought his, his business tactics were really shady in, in the sense of, he, you know, he didn't want to pay anybody, even though there's thousands of people kind of coming to his website for this, you know? Oh, yeah. There was, there, you know, there was tons. And, I mean, it was, it was really good because you were really the only one that really stood behind us at that time, which, yeah. you know, you should be commended for that. I mean, holy shit, like... We're a two-bit podcast, and it's like you kind of went to bat. So, yeah, mostly, like I said, it was it's just mostly because I didn't appreciate, you know, the horror the horror bit guy, and uh, I don't know why I keep blanking on his name. Oh. It's okay. It's uh, yeah, probably. But uh, yeah, you know, and then you know once you guys were booted from Horbid and then like the only thing that I really went to Horbid for was the podcast anymore because I would still listen and then you know listening to those two dipshits of House of Horror you know talk horror when they literally knew nothing about what was going on in the genre um it was just frustrating you know and then they were kind of taking shots at you guys you know like taking shots at Rabbit Red and taking shots at Vince and um taking shots at you you know and then um, oh, I think that was the second reason that I got booted off because the first time it was with you guys and then Vince got me back on and then, you know, I called them out on taking shots at you guys, you know, when, um, you know, your guys' episodes were crushing anything that they were doing uh, in numbers. And, you know, um, again, Horbit was like, oh, you got to go, dude. All you do is just talk shit and this and that. And it's like, I mean, yes, that's fair. I, I was, but I was also... You know, standing up for for guys that I thought um, needed a voice and needed needed uh, somebody to stick up for them. And uh, well, yeah. And then after that, um, actually, yeah. Then I got back on there with the skeleton crew for a few months. Oh, that's right. That's right. After that, that was the another falling out with me and Alex, and then that was. Yeah. You know, he finally just ended that show. Did he really? After he all these years, finally just ended it. After, I want to say, shit, he started that in April of 2012. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Red Red's still technically going, so I mean. Well, I mean, you know, uh, for, for, <laughs> for lack of a better term, you know, I'm, I'm trying. I try right. to, um, you know, and the funny thing is, um. You know, when you were on with Rich, and then I came back, and you left, or however the hell that came in. Then, so you know, basically, Rich just was like, "Oh, Mike's back now. I don't need you." <laughs> and I was like, oh, "Okay, cool. Like, I guess the last two years I've been doing this with you, or whatever, doesn't count." So, uh, yeah. yeah. So I always kind of felt salty about that, and it was never towards you. It was just always towards Rich. And I have honestly haven't talked to Rich in in years. Yeah. So, um. Well, trust me, I I have a little bit of that uh, resentment as well because um, basically, so I was doing it with, with Rich for I don't know how long, and then he stopped calling me, 
and just got um, John Rhodes, who's now doing Rabbit and Red with me now. He right. got John Rhodes on doing Rabbit and Red and just stopped calling me. So I was like, okay, I guess he doesn't want me anymore. That's fine. Yeah, I mean that's, that's kind of Rich's mo. It seems like, and you know, I don't I don't want to badmouth him. I I have nothing bad to say. I don't have a grudge on it or anything. But I was I, for a while, like I was a little salty about it. It was like, uh, you know, this is my this was my thing for two years, and now it's now I have nothing to do with it. So right. you know, and I think Vince kind of saw that, and he he was like, well, I'm doing this podcast, you know. I'm doing Acre Unstable. He's like, you're my dude, you know, if you want to be my co-host, let's do this. And I was like, sweet, I'm in. You know, and so that's how, you know, Acre Unstable really kind of stemmed, at least for me. You know, I think Vince had an idea of what he wanted to do for quite some time and uh, just luckily added me to it. So so basically, you, you, you know, you started on Acre Unstable from the beginning. Like it yep. was always you and Vince. Okay. Yep. I wasn't sure if he started it solo at first or... Uh, man, I don't think so, and I could be wrong about that. Vince maybe had one or two episodes out prior to me, um, but I don't think he did. I think it was me and him from from episode one, but I, I'm not 100% sure on that. It's been forever since we started that ago, so. Yeah, but he's he's got to get back and, and just try to, you know, get maybe a little more regular with it, you know, kind of like, you know, shit. Like a bowel movement, just get regular yeah. with it. Just get the yeah. fiber in there, eat it, and you're you know you'll be good. Yeah, and we've had we've had a couple talks about getting it going again. I think he said he wanted to maybe try shoot for August, uh, and then try to get regular with it. I think you know he's been he's been dealing with a lot of health stuff and a lot of work stuff, and you know life gets in the way. You know, it does. Uh, it definitely does. you know. So, and I totally get that shit. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm no no different you know life gets in the way for me and i've moved quite a bit the last couple of years and uh yeah so I, I totally get it so um and who knows i might try to continue on with it if vince doesn't want to and if he's okay with that and i also might might do something uh on my own so we'll see I'm definitely sure. all right cool well we're gonna take a quick break and we will be right back after this hey you. Yeah, you, listening to the podcast. Me? No, not you, dumbass. Oh. Hey, you there with the face and that stupid shit that all these radio ads say. Hey, my, my you face. like free shit, right? Of course you do. Who doesn't like free shit? How about a free Blu-ray and a t-shirt that may or may not fit you? And if it doesn't, you could probably use it as a blanket. And some other shit. That's right. All free, all to you. And all you have to do is go to our new iTunes account and rate and review us. Just help us out. It's not too hard. You go there, preferably giving us five stars, and you write a little review. And for that, you will be entered to win Bone Tomahawk on Blu-ray. Uh, Monster Mania t-shirt and a couple little bonuses tossed in just for you and on top of all that There's we surprises. are working yeah. on top of all that we're working to make your Bone Tomahawk edition really stand out from the crowd can't quite say yet because we haven't got confirmation but I'm working on that and uh hope you guys 
will give us five stars. As soon as we get to, what do you say, Mike? What's a good number? Um, how about 20? Okay, so as soon as we get to 20, a person will be randomly picked, and you will win all this shit and probably more. Yeah, I might throw in some more bonuses just because I like you people. Right. Do I like you? you like us so much, remember, rate and review. Rabbit and Red Radio Network. Doesn't have to be five stars. If you want to give a one star and leave a comment that Michael J. sucks cocks in hell, please do so. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. All right, and we're back for the second half of the Sunday show, and, um, Cole, you are like, I don't know what it is, you basically, you just turned 30 years old, and you're a world traveler. Yeah, I've seen seen quite a bit of the world. How the hell does this happen? Uh, just the right connections, and just knowing people, I guess, and just kind of falling into it, honestly, uh, just being extremely lucky. Um, yeah, I used to tour with bands and stuff when I was mm, in my early 20s. Um, and, you know, when you do that, you end up getting to see a lot of the world. Um, you don't necessarily get to enjoy a lot of that world because you're technically working and um, usually very broke. Uh, usually didn't have, you know, a ton of money to go do things, but um, have seen quite a bit, you know, uh, of Europe. I've seen uh, most of the United States. Uh, except for Alaska and Hawaii, and um, I don't think there's a state that I haven't seen besides Alaska and Hawaii. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Um, maybe Maine. I don't know if I've ever touched up the Maine, but I'm, I thought I did maybe on one of the tours where we played an outdoors festival, and I thought that was in Maine, but maybe not. Um, but pretty much everything else, uh, it's been wonderful. And, you know, kind of along the way, you meet incredible people and you end up kind of maybe branching off with that path with them and kind of doing whatever you need to do to kind of make ends meet. And um, so I was still going to school at Iowa, but in the summer, I would just take off my buddy's bands and just go travel, uh, either being a drum tech, um, either playing for them, um, kind of like a drum to hire or, um, yeah, merch guy, whatever. 
uh, I just loved it. Love, you know, I'll get in a van, I'll get in a tour bus, didn't matter. Um, you know, obviously tour bus is a little bit nicer and better traveling conditions, but oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I had no problem sleeping in the back of a van, you know, mm-hmm. with a bunch of sweaty dudes playing rock and roll music. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of my earlier 20s I did that, and uh, I was very thankful for that. So it was like, uh, wow. But then you said you, you actually played music as well, so that was all part of that. Like, um... Yeah, yeah, a lot of... So I played with a band called... Uh, this is my old high school band called Regretting Yesterday. And, uh, yeah, I just met a lot of friends and musicians through kind of those connections of setting up shows, promoting shows, uh, playing the shows, um, that sort of stuff. It's just a huge network of things, and my hometown kind of bubble area of t- surrounding towns had some pretty bad bands, you know, going on back in my high school, which would have been like 2003, 2004, uh, which was kind of like the kickoff scene for a lot of the metalcore, screamo, um, emo bands, I guess, if you will. Uh, you know, it was very much, that was very much my demographic and crowd, you know, back then in my age. And there was a lot of rad bands that were kind of, formed and playing together in my kind of hometown which um you know my hometown there's maybe 30 people uh in the whole town you know and then the town next door it was maybe like 2500 people you know so it's pretty incredible that you know there was probably five or six really big um bands for that area kind of coming out and you know my band is one of them so you know every friday saturday night we try to you know pack the vf all with kids and just throw some shows and um, with all sorts of different genres, you know, my band was very pop punk, kind of Blink One Eight Two, um, New Found Glory ish um, kind of music, and then um, there's a lot of metal bands. Um, there's a couple like screamo bands that were kind of like at the drive-in, um, kind of like dancey, funky kind of screamo stuff. Uh, some really cool stuff going on, and um, we brought bands down from Minneapolis. Uh, we brought bands from Chicago. Um, like Run Kid Run and um, Last Tuesday and uh, one of my all-time favorite bands still to this day, um, a band called I Collide that was from Minneapolis. And um, I actually ran into the drummer when I was living up there like years ago uh, and um, I was like searching through like an old record shop and I like found their record which like they were like an unsigned band and um, you know very, they were kind of big in Minneapolis for what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they would kind of sell out local scene stuff and whatever, but, you know, they kind of dispersed after a couple records, and, you know, they didn't really do much after that. But I ran into the drummer, um, Fish, uh, was his name, just randomly at some show, I think, at the First Avenue Club, and we just kind of got to talking, and I was like, dude, I found, like, the old iClyde instructions, you know, vinyl, like, the shit that you were selling back in 2003 when vinyl wasn't even selling, you know? It wasn't big yet. Uh, again and yeah we just kind of got talking and yeah we just kind of reminisced on the old iCollide days of them coming down to Garner and playing the old memorial building and uh, we used to throw skate shows which was crazy Uh, we'd like bring in skate ramps down in the basement of this old memorial building kind of VFW hall and then like the big room all the skate ramps and stuff would set up and boxes or whatever and people would skate on them and grind and whatever and then the show would be going on in like the side room but you could open up these giant doors and like look out and see you could see you could see all the skate going it's like skaters and skating going on while like the rock show is going on at the same time and like the fans were like in you know staying in there 
Uh, so it's just a really cool scene to be involved in um, at that young of an age. Uh, not a lot of other places. Um, you know, I feel like maybe big cities, Ohio and, you know, whatever else, you, you kind of have the, the maybe those kind of scenes going on. But in rural fucking Iowa, where there's 2,500 people to a town, um, to have these kind of things going on and having these kind of bands coming through. And uh, I think that was really rare, a very rare case. And I think I was very grateful to kind of grow up in that situation. Um, you know, the biggest city next to me was Mason City. And, you know, it maybe had 12, 13,000 people in it. Uh, you know, and I think that was big, you know, at that time. So, uh, you know, it, it was just a really awesome music scene to kind of grow up in. And some of my best friends still to this day uh, came from that scene. And so... Uh, just kind of making those you know music connections kind of helped me kind of later on kind of step up my game and go tour and go do those things and um, a lot of my my best friends like I said come from that scene back in back in Garner Iowa and then a lot of my best friends still to this day come from the touring scene that I did when I was in my younger 20s so it just kind of all stemmed from there so do you still play now, or do you um, do more so of the booking and, like, uh, the production side of things? Sure. Uh, I, I still play. I mean, I still have an electric set um, here at my house. Um, I've had that thing since I went to college. Uh, I, I bought it my freshman year. I put it in my dorm room, and I've had it ever since. Um, yeah, it's just an electric set. It's very simple. Um yeah, it's just the basics, and then you can just kind of jam on it and, and do whatever, you know, play for a half hour or whatever. Um, but I don't play in any bands really anymore. Um, I, I would like to. I just haven't really found anybody that I can really jam with or gel with uh, as far as that goes. Um, I also don't have any desire. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to lug drug, drums around, and that's my main thing that I always played and uh, I sang every once in a while on some backing tracks or whatever but um, but mostly just drums and man yeah lugging drums around just doesn't sound appealing to me anymore so mostly doing the booking and that sort of thing um, and I'm kind of uh, working with one of my, my, my best friends Michael Shines right now kind of doing some of his booking and contracting and um, yeah a lot of his media social media and stuff like that just to kind of give him a break from you know, looking at a screen all the time, trying to manage his career versus, you know, he's a dad and he's got some kids and, uh, you know, just giving him time to be able to, to, to be with them. So how did that, um, connection start? How did that become established? Man, that, yeah, that's a, that's a crazy one. That's another, that's another long chronic crazy story. Kind of like you and I have, uh, Michael used to play in this band, uh, from Minneapolis. I reached out to him when I was kind of, booking my own shows and uh, we were getting thrown on shows and stuff uh, in my old high school band but he was in an old band called The Run uh, which I still have a bunch of their old stuff on my iTunes um, he would probably kill me if anybody ever heard that stuff um, but I think it's wonderful I still think it's I, I, would, I don't want to say this because he has a new album coming out and it's incredible but I still feel like his old Run stuff is just some of the best stuff he's ever done because it was so simple and uh, it was really like it was really different, kind of for what I was really listening to back then. And um, it's just stuff that like Michael, like the lyrics are 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 super funny because he was super young at the time too when he wrote all that stuff. But 
uh, it's just like a very raw part of Michael that um, you get to see now in his stuff, but he's such a better writer now that he can mask his actual emotions a little bit better with what he's writing. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff with the run, it was just like, it was all there. It was all out there. You know, if it was about a girl, you were going to know it was about a girl. You know, it was just that kind of simplicity of things. Um, now he's just such a much more uh, versatile and talented writer that he can kind of mask what he's saying uh, and put it into much more um, prettier ways of saying things, I guess, if that makes sense. And, um, but yeah, but he, kind of getting back to that story, he uh, used to be in that band, I reached out and uh, I got like a, this is way back in like MySpace days, but I got like a MySpace uh, friend request from this band called The Run. And I like listened to him, just kind of fell in love with what they were doing. And I just kind of followed that career of what he was doing ever since. And uh, just kind of lost contact with him. We never got to play a show or anything and uh, never really got to meet him. And then kind of fast forward probably, oh man, like 10 years later, maybe, um, I was working at the Blue Moose in Iowa City and I was doing all the booking for shows there and um, I had a really huge sold out show that I was looking for an opener for and I knew that he was doing his solo stuff and so uh, I would kind of follow his solo career that he was working on, just Michael Shines and um, just kind of reached out to him and I was like, hey man, like, you know, followed your career for a long time, and we kind of chit-chatted on Facebook every once in a while back and forth, but it was just more of, like, me being a fan versus me being a friend. And, um, you know, I was like, hey, this, like, you know, sold-out show, like, if you want to come down and play it, I know it's, like, a long ways, and I don't know if you have the date open, but, you know, here's the artist that you're opening for, and it just happened to be for Will Whitmore, um, for anybody who loves folk music or anything like that. He's a huge player in the folk world, and uh, really good friend of mine as well, uh, and my fiance's best friends with his wife actually. Um, so yeah, really good connection there, and um, you know, and yeah, he's like, yeah, man, I'd, I'd love to come down and play for that, you know. And I was like, you know, here's what I can pay you. It's not really that much, but uh, it's just what I have approved. And uh, he's like, yeah, man, don't worry about it. He's like, you know, this is like, you know, ten years in the making that you know we get to finally like meet and face to face and. Uh, you know, like I said, he kind of took a chance and had never uh, met me before, but drove five and a half hours down to Iowa City to play this crazy show that was like 800 people, and you know, just to kind of get his music in front of a bunch of people, and um, yeah, he took a chance and came down and stayed at my place, and we got drunk that night and ended up becoming best friends, you know, and uh, it was kind of just a crazy 10-year period of waiting for this to happen. But uh, I'm super glad it did because we've become best friends ever since. And, uh, yeah, it's been incredible to watch this dude's music career grow. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. So that's so that's primarily what you're doing now is just his or is there, like, other people that you're handling as well aside no. from him? No, not not anymore. Um, yeah, it's just him. Um, yeah, and I'm doing very very minimal stuff at this point too. We kind of just started this this whole thing, me working for him, and and uh, you know he used to have a manager that was kind of uh, it ended up not working out, and uh, you know I basically like I said just reached out and um, just asked him, you know, hey man, like you know here's my talents, here's what I've done, 
you know, I would just love to help you in any way I possibly can. Uh, and it's basically, you know, whatever you feel comfortable with me handling, mm-hmm. you know, I'd love to help out. Um, I have a bunch of free time right now, just kind of in between jobs. And he's like, well, he's like, I'll pay you. And, you know, like my, you know, revenue sales or whatever from streaming sales and stuff like that. He's like, I can cut you in on. And, you know, there's just a bunch of other like instant outs. It's like, dude, I honestly don't want your money. I don't want any of it. You know, I just want to help out. Like, you know, you got a family, you got kids. Um, you know, like if I can get you, you know, three hours away from your screen time, you know, just to hang out with your family and not have to do anything with that, you know, I think that will help you out just dramatically. And uh, he was just like super into the idea. And, you know, I was just kind of in a rough place about that point in time kind of in my life too because I didn't know kind of what I was going to do anymore because I kind of like left my, my job recently. And, um, yeah, and it's just like we it's just weird how kind of like the world kind of works that way and how things just end up working out in a sense. So, um, yeah, I'm just very, very thankful for that dude. And like I said, it's been over 10 years since I've known him now. And, um, yeah, it's just been awesome to watch his, his career just skyrocket now. And, uh, you know, he he just did a song and uh, with these guys called Komodo that has like 63 million views uh, on YouTube and has like a, uh, a platinum record from Poland. Um, you know, it's it, it's just it's just wild. Like he's a platinum artist, uh, and it's it's crazy to see. And he's only going to end up being bigger in, in the next few years here in the United States. So um, yeah, it's incredible to watch. So do you see yourself like wanting to take on like more clients in the future? Like kind of like continuing down this path, or is there something else that you really like? would like kind of like dream to do or want to do at this point yeah i mean i think like the end goal for me is just to help out wherever i can with friends i don't really have a passion to become like a full-time manager for other people Mm. um i I think i would do full-time for michael if it ended up getting that point um which it very well could um and you know in the next couple years um mostly because i know him and i know what his journey has been and I know where he's going and where he wants to go. Right. Uh, I think that helps a lot, you know, kind of taking on just random people um, or, or anything else of like maybe getting involved with a project that I don't really know so much of the history on uh, would be a lot harder for me. Cause it's like, well, I don't really know where to start or how to address this or, you know, what do you want to do sort of thing where, you know, with Michael, I can just kind of make decisions cause I, I know him, you know, I've known him for a long time and I, I kind of know and have a feeling for what he's shooting for. So, um, yeah, I think, it, I mean, if the right situation happens, sure. But, uh, as far as right now, I don't think so. And see that that's, that's one thing that I really, you know, admire about you. You're very, um, versatile with things like you can basically, it seems like throw yourself in any situation and, you know, you're bound for success. So, um, there's that and you know i think that's a really good uh quality quality to have i think thanks um, i yeah i appreciate that i mean you know anything that i end up doing i end up trying to just do the best i possibly can if it's not good enough let me go um but you know i'm I, i'm gonna try and do my best to possibly that i possibly can and um yeah sometimes that's not enough and sometimes it's too much you know i sometimes want to take on too much and that can also be a problem but I just, I just like, I just like helping people out as much as I can. You know, I've been in the service industry for 
10 plus years, you know, that's, that's what you do all day, every day is just help people. So, uh, yeah, I just, I kind of get that from, you know, my family side of things of helping people. And it's just been a, it's taken me all over the world and it's, it's been awesome. So I can't complain. And how about like any thoughts get of uh, getting back into like the journalism, or are you kind of done with that phase? Do you think? Uh, I mean, I love doing this, you know, and this is technically journalism, you know, in a sense of broadcasting and that sort of thing. And and I I love it, you know, like you know the journalism side of me. When you asked me to do this show, it's like I immediately asked, "Well, is there anything that you want to talk about? Is there anything that I should research?" You know, it's just that side of me. I'm always doing that, and so I kind of take that into what I'm doing with my. Michael, too, in a sense of, you know, hey, what do you want me to look into? What have you heard, you know, up in Minneapolis, since I'm not really there anymore, but, you know, is there any festivals you would want me to reach out to that you maybe want to get on for next year? Uh, you know, and that sort of thing. It's just always, I'm constantly in journalism, in a, in a journalist mode, I guess, if you will. Um, yeah, it's just something that has always come natural, and um, as long as I'm doing something, I don't have to make money doing it, as right. long, you know. I love doing this, this kind of stuff, and you know, we don't make any money doing it, but it's just because we love doing it. So, yeah, believe me, I learned a long time ago that there's <laughs> no money in podcasting. Well, you know what? No, I can't say that because there are people that have the, the Patreon things, right? And, you I know, mean, if you if you can get on like iHeartMedia or you know something along those lines, sure, you can probably make money from ads and whatever else you know like i'm you know joe rogan i'm sure makes a shitload of money oh, i'm sure you know i'm sure that you know the chick who does cereal makes a shitload of money doing that um you know yeah there's you can definitely make money doing it but you got to put in a lot of time i mean those those people do eight nine months out of the year mm. of just research before even actually doing one single episode you know yeah um so it's just you know how hard do you want to work in do you have the capital to be able to back yourself up, you know, prior to getting your first episode out? So, yeah. and you know, even if you do do eight, nine months, ten months of research and then do your first episode, it could flop and nobody cares. And here you are out ten months of all this research, you know, or or whatever you're doing. So, it's it's a crapshoot. It's a gamble. Yeah, basically. I mean, like. Um Case in point with with Rabbit and Red, you know, back from Harvard, we were, I mean, in the thousands, and yeah. now we're. I mean, I don't know what we were on the Devil's Eyes because I never saw those stats, but I would imagine that it was considerably lower than that. Oh um, yeah. Now we're in the hundreds, which isn't horrible, uh, you know. And apparently, from what I hear, we're growing. So you know we'll that's, see where that's that great, goes though. well you know yeah, hopefully that's you know that's the goal um you know i'm i don't plan on going out and getting a you know a patreon even though you know there's 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 like money that's put into this thing that i'm sure people don't even realize but you know it's not like for me like this is free like if i couldn't afford to do it then i wouldn't do it I'm not right. going to go out there and ask people to give me, you know, money. Like, look, I can see, like, a network. Like, there's um the Horophilia Network. I don't believe they themselves have, have a Patreon. Or there's the Legion Network, which is the network that we're on. 
Right. I support like the networks having a Patreon because they pay to basically host us on their site. Right. You know, so I can understand them taking donations or doing the, you know, perk things, you know, because it's like the money's going somewhere. But like if if you're just a a podcast that's just out there, you know, if you're not paying any overhead, like if you if you're not paying hosting fees for a site or whatever else, then I don't think there's any need for you to have a Patreon. I I you know, I'm sorry yeah. to say that and that might, you know, annoy a few people but really in hindsight you know you don't need it if you're if you don't have any overhead with your podcast and if you're gonna sit there and tell me that you know if you that 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 stuff for your podcast or whatever like material materials or whatever costs money i mean that's why I mean, granted, well, we all know that I have a huge um, film library myself, but right. I don't fucking go out and review movies specifically on this thing just for the the fact that, you know, um, I don't even know what the fuck I'm trying to get out here. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm trying not to like, you know, because um, there's podcasts that I know that have Patreons and they're like fucking... They're, they're, um, you know, I don't really think there's any need for, like, you have certain fucking podcasts out there where everybody has a fucking Patreon. Yeah. And it's like, they just, they, they just ask for these money. And it's like, why? Yeah. If you can't afford to fucking pay to go to see a movie or pay to rent a movie or pay to do this or pay to do that, then don't do a fucking podcast. It's that simple. Yeah. I mean, some. I feel like some podcasts do it right, though. Where like, I I subscribe every month to um, Mysterious Universe, right. you know, and they're they're so big as far as the podcast goes that like they have their own app, right. you know. Well, that's and I, different. I pay, yeah, and so like they do everything in house, you know. Right. Sure, they they have third parties kind of you know handle their app and make their app and put the content on there or whatever right. else. But as far as doing all the research. You know, that's where all your money goes to, you know, and this is their full-time jobs. They don't have jobs outside of doing that podcast. Like, right. it's it's wild, you know, and I support that because they've made it their only business, and that's how they support themselves. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just kind of going on somebody else's page and then expecting people, um, you know, to pay to listen anyways, you know, then, you know, kind of what's the point of that? Yeah, no, and that, that I totally understand. Because, you know, that's their that's their livelihood. That's what they do. I get that, you know, that's and you know, I commend them for it. I think that's great. You know, but um if you're just like this little podcast thing where, you know, you're on a network and you're not paying for a hosting fee, you're not paying for a website or anything like that, you don't need it. Yeah. You no, I, I, it. I totally agree. There there there's, you know, if if that's the point, because uh, don't do it then at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that's my thought, and uh, uh, long winded, but that's my. Uh, I agree. What can I say? Uh, but yeah, it's um, it's crazy. So, but um, you know, you're big on the. Uh, I know you're big into the horror genre too, or at least you. I would assume you still kind of are at that point. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It, That's me, what I wanted to talk to you about too. We have to get into that real quick. Okay. Go go ahead. Because uh, I know that you were not a fan of the 2018 Halloween. And I try not to talk about film or horror on the show, yeah. but because you're on here, and I know that you you really did not like that film, I <laughs> really need to talk to you about that. Yeah, yeah, we haven't really had a you know we I've thrown little bits and pieces, but we yeah, we haven't really talked too much about it because I just I was so angry at that movie. I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. Like I went opening night and midnight on Thursday. And, you know, the next day, my fiance was just like, um, yeah, so how was the movie? You know, you were so excited for this movie. Like, you know, how was it? And I was just like, fuck that movie. Fucking hated it. You know, like, I was I was in such a grumpy, bad mood the next next day. Uh, and then a couple weeks later, um, it was up on TTV. Right. Uh, and there was a um, Japanese stream, but it was actually a DVD stream of it. So it was clear quality, you know, no camera or anything. And I rewatched it. I rewatched it. I would text Vince and be like, God, I fucking hate this movie. And, you know, I told Vince about it. And I was like, hey, it's up here. And he's like, oh, I got a DVD streamer of it, too. He's like, I'm going to watch it. He watched it. And he's like, oh, I fucking love it. What are you talking about? This is a great movie. And I was like, fuck you. No, you didn't. He's like, no. He's like, I actually liked it. I was like, rewatch it, rewatch it. We rewatched it. He's like, okay, I didn't like it as much this time. I was like, see, I fucking told you. And I was like, rewatch it. He like rewatches it again. Text me back. Yeah, all right. There's a lot of shit here I don't like. And so we just kind of, you know. And I was actually the opposite. I've rewatched it quite a few times now, and I don't hate it as much as I did initially. Well, because, all right, uh, so I didn't get to go opening day like I wanted because um, I couldn't get I couldn't get out to go to the theater. So I went um, that Sunday. So, yeah, it opened Friday. I went Sunday and I saw it. And I got to tell you, when the opening credits started and that that jack-o'-lantern appeared, I was a fucking the floodgates opened and they just did not <laughs> stop. I was like, you motherfucker, you got me. You got I me. I, I agree. Uh, the first time I saw that too, yeah, I was like, oh god, the the nostalgia just hits you, uh, and it it hit me good. I I don't understand John's thoughts on the whole being pretentious and hating the opening credits. I thought it was great. I thought it was a really good move. Um, I thought it was a really good way to pay homage, um, you know, to the old ones. And uh, I definitely didn't get uh, a pretentious feel from from that shot. No, definitely not. Definitely, definitely not. Did um, what is it? So then, after that, let's see. Um, the well, well, I'll get to it. The only real major problem that I have with it, or that I had with it, and I still have with it, is they should have went with the original ending. I think that this one was just to just blah I mean I would have liked you know the whole battle to happen and um, Lori to be wounded and him to be wounded and it just end where she's going to the hospital and he's lying in the um, backyard or whatever among the mannequins I think that that would have been stronger because then you don't know you know yeah it has a better right yeah it has a better uh, uh, uh uncertainty about the film uh 
and I still feel like the ending up ended up being in the theater uh, was very, uh, I guess, uncertain too in a sense. But man, what a fucking mess of an ending that was, though. Because I don't know if they intended it to be that way or or what. But yeah, you have this big battle, and Michael gets wounded, gets locked in the basement. There's fire. You know, you see one of the last shots is you see him standing in the fire looking up, which is creepy. Everyone thought that was more of like a weird puppy dog pose or something. I didn't ever get that feeling. I always thought it was just creepy the way he was looking at you, um, which I thought they did a really good job with that. However, and then it kind of cuts back to where you see the basement burning up in flames, and then there's no Michael in there. Yes. How does that make sense? Like, what, did he just escape out the back door? Um, Because he's not laying on the ground. Like, I've looked at that shot, I don't know how many times, and he's not standing in the stairwell. He's not, you know, laying on the ground dead or, you know, burning or anything. It's just an empty shot, just an empty scene. Yeah, so it's not like the end of Halloween 281 where you see him lying and the mask is like burning and melting and all that right. shit. It's not that. Right. Yeah. And and that's yeah. another thing. Um now I know so I, I, what's I just hate I I was just going to say I just hated that part because it's like this one was classified as the last Yeah. You know, like this is it. It's like I wanted it to be done. Like as a Halloween fan, you always want more, but right. at this time, it's like, just let it be done now. Or let the story with Bori be done. Kill yeah, her. No, I agree with that. Her. Yeah, I agree uh, you with know, that. that. That was the only way I was going into that movie thinking, the only way to do this and to make it good is if Bori dies. Yeah. And yeah, obviously that didn't happen. So I was very upset. And then I was just upset with um, the whole doctor aspect. Like I don't think that certain guy. I fucking I really didn't like him much either. Now I didn't yeah. like the whole backstory of. So basically, the whole premise of that movie and this movie never happens mm-hmm. if that doctor isn't greedy and crashes the bus right and lets Michael out right. Like I was, I'm a hundred percent convinced that Michael gets on that bus, and if it doesn't crash, he doesn't get out. He's just comfortable with staying in there and and just going and living the rest of his life in prison. Right. Like, he never gets out if that doctor doesn't let him out and has this other ambition in the movie. Exactly. And once that got revealed to me, I was like, this whole movie makes no sense. None of it makes sense. Michael's not the strange, crazy killer that they're making him out to be because he was let loose by somebody else. He didn't just break out. He was let out. Right. So it just kind of, for me, it ruined the whole allure of Michael just being this machine. You know, he's just a human killer. And because of that, the way that it was just kind of all drawn out and, and done with the story that it just kind of, it lost everything for me. Right. Um, but like I said, now that I've seen it quite a few times, I don't mind so much the movie itself. It feels like a Halloween film. It's brutal. There's a lot of great stuff in it. Um, but just the, those two really big glittering factors, it's like, oh man, I can't, uh, I can't put it, uh, yeah, it's probably in the lower pack for me as far as Halloween movies go. 
Well, how do you feel about the fact that they're probably going to go with um, someone else to, uh, you know, write the sequel, at least, and that uh, McBride and uh, David Gordon Green will not be involved? Uh, man, if it's going to be a sequel to this one and they're not involved, it, I, it doesn't make sense to me, I guess. Um, yeah, I didn't understand that either. I thought, it was, I thought yeah. that was kind of a dumb move just because... They kind of set it up, and I know they had some idea for a sequel already, so why would you just not go with that, considering how much money this made? Yeah, exactly. Like, these guys clearly made a ton of money for you as far as this one went, and they already have a really good setup sequel in their minds. You know, why wouldn't you just run with that? If this sequel doesn't work, Mm -hmm. fine. Fine, you move on from them after that. But they just proved that they could take this franchise and, and make it to the next level. And, uh, you know, they did. They made it scary. It was There were some really awesome, good parts in that film. Mm-hmm. Um, the story was not there, unfortunately. But, um, you know, it, it still was a decent, watchable film as far as I was concerned yeah. now. You know, um, you know, I, I when Michael first put that mask on, uh, pulling it out of the trunk, it really humanized him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it made it, like, so incredibly creepy. And... Uh, but there was a lot of aspect too that I hated how much you saw Michael's face without a mask. Yeah, that was I a forgot. little overkill. Yeah, it was a very, very big overkill, and it kind of ruined a lot of it for me too. Um, it didn't humanize him for me; it just pissed me off. Right. I mean, kind of. Well, I mean, they did that with Zombies Halloween too, but for some reason, I guess maybe that didn't bother me as much with that one. I don't understand, but yeah. I don't know. I yeah, same thing. I don't know why it didn't bother me as as much, but it didn't because I think um, Michael in the first Rob Zombie was so humanized. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you saw him as a kid, and a lot of him as a kid, so that made him more of a human than the actual um, than the actual killer. You know, like in the first original Halloween, you only see Michael as a kid for like thirty seconds. Yeah. You know. And then he becomes, uh, you know, more of a monster than an actual human. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's why zombies too. When you do see him, he's just he's just like a he. He reminds me of of Lenny in the story of of Mice and Men, mm-hmm. where he's just a big ogre, dumb, yeah. dumb, dumb guy, you know. And and that's the way zombies Michael kind of came off to me, you know. So right, there's yeah, more right. human aspect to them. Yeah, and that's 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 another thing too. And this is the last Halloween point that I have to make. But now, how do you okay, Blumhouse? How do you move forward, or how do you get the rights to a franchise, or whatever? Or I thought he had the rights to the franchise, but apparently he only has the rights to the original. He doesn't have the rights to make sequels. How does that work? That's I don't understand that. I don't yeah. know if you have any insight, but I don't get why that is. I don't really have any insight to that other than my own personal opinion as well. Just like, I don't know if he just went in with a thought process of like, well, if I really nail this first one, they'll give me the rights to the sequels. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you not? But I, yeah, same kind of question of how do you not go in going, okay, well, I want the rights to the sequels as well. And, you know, I'm sure that they were just like, nope, we'll give you the rights to the first one, we'll let you do it, you know, and then his thought process just had to have been, well, if I nail this and I crush it, 
you know, I'll get the rights to the second, or, you know, the sequels as well. And I don't know how he hasn't gotten them. Like, yeah. did he piss somebody off and was just like, nope, fuck you? Um, or, you know, yeah, what's going on there? Um, yeah, Blumhouse is killing it. You know, they've been killing it the last five, six years. Like, I don't know how you don't go with that. I don't know. I guess we'll just have to kind of wait and see. And, and my guess is, is this is going to be another Halloween 3 problem. Uh, uh, I really hope that we don't have to wait another 10 years for another. I just can't wait another 10 years. I'll be dead. <laughs> I know. I know. It's a good chance that I, yeah, could be dead too. You never know. Things happen. That's, you know. Um, I From just kind of reading kind of what's been going on with, the, the sequel rights and the sequel moving forward um, I just get that Halloween 3 feel you know mm-hmm. look how many other franchises have been having the same problem Friday the 13th now is in court oh, um, yeah. you know but they were having you know they're having the same problems with the sequel from 2009 uh, or even rebooting it um, you know Nightmare on Elm Street same thing mm-hmm. they're having you know same same problems as Halloween 3 was having yeah that so, was whole big fucking debacle but do you go to any horror conventions or anything like that by chance or um i've only ever been to one in my life and that was when i was living up in minneapolis um there's the crypticon that's up there and um yeah i went a couple years back um i only went for the sole purpose of meeting jeff daniel phillips he's one of my all-time favorite actors um absolutely loved him um and uh lords of salem Mm -hmm. and uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Um, the kind of bar creep that he was playing when he gets his face stomped in. I don't know why, but I loved that character. I, yeah. I, I had no idea why. I just do. And then his um, Uncle Seymour Coffin's character that he played in Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 as well. Uh, and then he did a bunch of like random shorts and stuff after that in that character. Uh, and I just really fell in love with his stuff. And he's on The Gift right now and on Fox and you know, he's going to be pretty much in any single Rob Zombie music video or movie that he does from here on out for his life, I'm pretty sure. So uh, that's pretty cool to see. Uh, yeah, so I, I actually went and met him and uh, paid too much money to get a picture. I was going to say, how much did he charge? I don't remember. I want to say like 40 bucks. No, wait, was it 44 for- an autograph and a picture, or just forty for the picture? Uh, it was forty for an autograph and a picture. Oh, um, okay, so they do. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I think it was forty for both. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, you know, he's not he's not that big of a star by any means. You know, so his his prices were insane. But um, I know you met Nev Kimball, oh. and yeah, how how was that debacle? You know, because oh. I felt very cheated when I met Jeff, and and it wasn't his fault. It was mainly mine because I didn't really know what to say to him. Mm -hmm. And so my time with him was very short because, um, yeah. And I went on Sunday too, and there was not a lot of people there. So I had a ton of time. I just didn't know what to talk to him about. And he was going to do a panel like an hour after I had gotten there. So I just kind of waited to go listen to that panel anyways. But, um, like I said, I just felt kind of cheated because it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I'll only take a picture with you. Um, you know, if you pay me, and, you know, and it's like, ah, man, whatever, you know, so I did get a picture and it's cool, but, um, uh, you know, like I said, like, he's just one of my favorites and, 
uh, I just felt cheated because like I was the only guy there at that point in time for like an hour talking to him, you know, and like he still charged me forty bucks, you know. So, and yeah, that, that's you know, and I talked to him for like I don't know, maybe twenty minutes or so, and like you know, just told him, and he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, so what's your favorite character I've ever done? And I was like, honestly, it's probably the smallest character you've ever done, but it was you know, uh, Seymour Coffins from your from Rob Zombies Two. And then, um, uh, you know, the bar, bar manager guy. And, uh, and I was like, I don't know why. I just love those characters. They were just so short, sweet, and there's just a lot of character in them. Um, you did, you know, wonderful in those. And so he's like, oh, he's like, yeah. He's like, I don't really get anybody say that the bar manager's their favorite. And so we just kind of connected on that, you know? He's like, that was a total, like, three-minute scene, you know? Um, and so, yeah, he was, like, super just interesting and we like i said we just kind of chatted but i again didn't really have a ton to talk to him about because i just i don't ever really get starstruck i've met numerous numerous stars as far as musicians and stuff goes um but i don't know movie actors i feel it's totally different i don't know i could be completely wrong and maybe it's just because you know my line of work in the background that i come in as far as music wise uh, it doesn't really bother me so much um but yeah, I don't know, movie actors is weird. I think it's just a different vibe. I don't know. What what do you think when you met Nev Nevkin? Well, I mean, that wasn't the first time I've been to a Monster Mania. I've been to a few, but I'm always kinda like, you know, the the shy, uh, quiet type around them. And I, I blame her because she's you know, she was um, beautiful and I wanted to kind of, you know sure. I mean for for a mother I mean she's a mother now and she has a baby and holy right. shit. I mean, you know, her, her, her pussy must be, like, wrecked all the hell, but that face and that rest of her body, holy shit. She was a gymnast, and I'll tell you, it shows she could probably still be very flexible. Um, but, no, it's like I, I went up to her, and, you know, I had VIP tickets, so it's like you had a thing where it's, you had one thing, and I only went to see, she was the only uh, celebrity I went to see there. I didn't see anybody else. Uh, Danielle Harris right. was there. I did not want to go see her again because I knew her price was, I think she was charging um, 50 for an autograph and then 25 for a picture. So I'm like, you know, I saw her in 2007, like right before the fucking remake came out, so I don't need to see her yep. again. You know, and yep. plus I have her pants, and she knows I have her pants. So, you know, I can't really do much more with that. So that's. I fun. forgot you have though. You still have. I those? still. I'm looking at them right now on the wall. Still, yes. Unbelievable. Um, I don't know if they smell like orange anymore because they're behind glass. But still, um, <laughs> that's such a fucking weird thing to have with somebody. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I I don't know. You know what it was, and she, and I still remember that she was um totally blown away that my brother, like paid a hundred bucks and she was. She was genuinely upset that she did not keep them and sell them herself. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. But you've had you've you've had Daniel Harris on the show before, though, haven't you? Uh, yeah, she was on. Uh, that was back in 2011. We did a run for. Uh, what the hell was it? We did a run for um, Hatchet Two. Oh, that's right. Uh, was yeah, coming well, that out, was so. That was uh, Skeleton Crew, right? No, that was that was Rabbit. And that was, was yeah, and that was where Vince fucking 
I drove him nuts because I was fucking booking people left and right. We had fucking, we had Green. Yeah. We had Daniel Harris. We had it, fucking. I remember, I remember doing the, I was on the Todd Farmer episode, I remember. Oh, you want Todd? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yep. I know we had, yeah, we had him. We had um, Tony Todd. I think Tony Todd and Daniel Harris were on the same episode. Um, and who else did we have? I don't know if we had anybody else from fucking Hatchet 2. We might... No. No, I don't think we had anybody else from Hatchet 2. But, like, I remember that was a big time where we had, like, a fucking full week of just every day was an interview. Yeah. And I was just like, dude, you're killing me. Well, I'm like, well, we got to get this shit out, so there's no other... T-. You know, because it's like you're dealing with managers and agents yep. and publicists. Yep. You know, you Their have to fucking... And- yeah. Yep they're not getting paid to do this, you know, so it's like right. fucking, and there, again. exactly, and there was, there was one instance in all of my uh, nine years, almost nine years of podcasting now, there was one instance where I was asked to pay somebody to come on to the show. When I was doing Morbidly Made with John Rhodes in 2014, we were going to have the Ladies of the Evil Dead on, I guess, like the two or three main women from the original Evil Dead. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I contacted them, they responded, and I think it was Teresa Tilly who responded. She was, I think, I guess the head of their little clique or whatever, I don't know. And she says, okay, we'll come on, but um, usually for um, an appearance like that where we ask, um, we ask a um, hundred, I think it's like $120 for an appearance like that. And we only really wanted them for like five minutes. And I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Right. I'm like, I, I don't, you know we don't pay people to come on. I mean, and it's not like those people have really ever done anything since the Evil Dead, where if they have, it's like small independent shit. Yeah, nobody knows what it is. Right, so you're telling me that you're going to fucking, you know, for somebody that's asking for like five, maybe ten minutes of your time, you're going to fucking ask them for a hundred, a hundred and twenty bucks, really? Seriously? Right, yeah. I mean, come on, so... At that point, I was just like, you know, no thank you. But, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, you know, no, fuck you. Right. Um, John, you know, since he loves the Evil Dead, I think maybe he would have been willing to pay it. No, he probably wouldn't have. If it was Bruce Campbell, he would have done it. But I I don't think he would have done it just for them. But um, but I digress. That was a fucking side note. Um, but so back to Nev. Um, yeah. So she, I I get up to her line because you had like a, a thing for a jump the line. So oh, sure. I went ahead, I guess, to the front. So there were still four people ahead of me. So I'm waiting and you go to the handler and they say, okay, um, do you want to, you know, what would you like, you know, a picture or whatever? And I said, I'll do a picture and uh, an autograph. Um, so they, I said, that'll be a hundred, right? She's like, yeah, that'll be a hundred. It's like 50, you know, 50 for each. Basically that's how they did it. But yep. if you did it separately, it was 60 
you know, like if you would just get an autograph, it was 60, or if you just get a picture, it was 60. So the combo was cheaper. So she gets a little fucking like a post-it note, and she's like, "What's your name?" And I said, "Mike." So she writes Mike on the post-it note, and you had to pick an eight by ten for her to sign. So yeah. I picked an eight by ten. She puts the post-it note on the eight by ten, gives it to me. It's like a fucking conveyor belt. So you get to the, you know, you get to where like I'm right in front of her now. And she's like, hi, nice to meet you. And I'm like, yeah, nice to meet you too. So I hand her the little paper, you know, the picture with the post-it on it. And she's like, she looks at me and she goes, uh, do you have a, a favorite, um, quote you would like me to, uh, you know, put on the picture? And I said, you know, cause I really couldn't think of anything. Plus, you know, looking at her, it's like, you know, my mind's not thinking about fucking a quote from one of your fucking movies. Um, <laughs> You know, actually, for a split second, I thought of how deformed her tits looked in When Will I Be Loved from 2003, a little art house film that she did where she was naked. Um, and her tits really did not look that great. Um, but still, so I said, no, I said, nothing really comes to mind. So she just, she's like, oh, okay. So she gets the fucking pen and she writes, to Mike. What's your favorite scary movie? Nev Campbell. And then she like slides it back over to me. And she's like, are we doing a picture? And I said, yes, we are. So then she, uh, she like stood up and, you know, I have the canes and all, I'm all gimped out. So right. she's like, so I started to walk around to go like to her and she's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. I'll come to you. So, you know, she comes around to me and she, like, stands, like, next to me like that. And we take the picture. And I'm sure you've seen the picture on Facebook. Um, eh. To me, it was not worth, like, a hundred bucks. I mean, and it was, like I said, it was kind of long-winded here. But literally, it was, like, less than 30 seconds that I was with her. And it's, It's like, crazy. how much they bucks. have that down to a science yeah you know like yeah it's it's like you get nothing out of it like i said it's a fucking conveyor belt it's yeah. ridiculous totally ridiculous and the, the the fucking sick thing is i think at the conventions that the celebrities get to keep you know what goes in for the um you know because that's all cash basically right so yep. i think they yep. get to keep those now you yep. think if she's there for the three days, if she's there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and you have, and believe me, I noticed other people in the line were doing the fucking signature and photo option. So you figure that's a hundred bucks ahead. So you figure if she sees, like, well, let's, she's not, let's see, she sees like 50 people on Friday, and then you get into a few hundred maybe on Saturday and Sunday, she's making yeah. some fucking bank. Oh yeah, she's making probably close to fifteen grand. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, maybe the handlers get like, you know, a little a piece percentage. Of yeah, but I mean, you know, that's that's nothing because again, it's fucking cash in her pocket. Yeah, it's uh, it's wild. You know, like Minnesota's is fairly small, so there wasn't like a ton of people there. And like I said, I went 
I went like on a late Sunday afternoon, so everything was kind of wrapping up and right. not a ton of people. And I think that's the best time to go because, like I said, I still got like if I would have went on Saturday, you know, the busiest day or whatever, I would not have gotten twenty minutes with Jeff just to shoot the shit and and talk movies and, and favorite scenes and stuff. And um, Richard Brake was also there. Uh, I was sitting next to Jeff. And so like him and J Jeff were just kind of bullshitting with me for a while. Um, cause there's nobody at their tables and you know, everyone was kind of just walking around doing their own thing. And, um, yeah. So like I said, it was really kind of cool personal, but like, I still felt like, man, I sat there for 20 minutes and just bullshitted with you. And then you're still going to charge me, <laughs> you know, whatever it was to get a picture and, and get an autograph. Like, yeah. That's you know that that's what made it like super impersonal and and i get it like they have families to feed and that sort of thing but uh, you know then after that i went and sat and listened to him and, and richard did a uh a, a panel together i guess if you will and right. um you know um they were they were i kind of knew that three from hell was happening mm -hmm. because somebody had asked them a question like oh you know are you guys gonna work with um you know, Rob Zombie again after working with him with 31 and that sort of stuff. And they both just kind of smirked and laughed. And they're like, no, we don't have anything in the pipeline yet, you know. But, you know, there is something potentially in the works, you know. And then, like, literally six months later, you know, Three from Hell was announced. So, um, you know, I kind of knew something was up or, you know, I didn't know it was Three from Hell, obviously. But I knew something along those lines was, uh, you know in the works with them and, and zombie which is it's just cool i love you know say what you want about rob zombie i love his films i think they're great and i just love the people that he uses in them minus his wife of course but well yeah uh, you know she just she gets to be too much yeah no uh, she definitely definitely does and i think that is the one issue that i have with zombie is the overuse of his wife yeah and unfortunately, three from hell, you have to use her. Well, so, yeah. Oh. I mean, it's unavoidable <laughs> there. But with yeah. Richard Brake, I just was thinking. Now, if I'm thinking of the right person, did you, like, walk up to him and have the urge to be like, Cow! 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 Uh, oh, from Twister? No, when he was in, um, with fucking, um... Halloween 2, the Rob Zombies one. Oh, the, right. I forgot the, about that. He's Why the did I say thing or the corner thing. And he's That's right. And he's like, cow, cow. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. But uh, I should have. I didn't even think about that. No, we we basically just talked about his monologue from the opening scene of 31 and how absolutely incredible that was. And uh, he shot that in two takes, which is two awesome. Holy shit. Two takes, yeah. Uh, that's incredible. Uh, yeah, it was really cool because, like I said, there's nobody at their tables, and so like, I just got kind of dragged into their conversation. Right. And you know, like here I am bitching about having to pay for whatever for a photograph, but um, you know, who who just gets dragged into you know Jeff Daniels and Richard Brake's conversation? But uh, yeah, it, it's it was just it was weird because they those two have a really good working relationship and you can kind of tell that and um yeah it was just interesting to kind of pick their brains as far as um the movie industry because like i said i don't i don't know anything about the movie industry other than i was in one movie in my life 
um, yeah, it was called 1230, um, and um, What's-Her-Face's daughter was the star of it, and it was kind of like an indie film. It was shot in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Mm -hmm. and I was just an extra. Um, So I was there for like three days and got paid like 50 bucks a day or some crazy shit, but uh, um, Meryl Streep's daughter was in it. I don't know who the I can't she think is. of I can't think of her name uh. but uh yeah if you ever get a chance look it up it's called 1230 1230 did you get sacked yeah. for that or no I don't think I did I was supposed to have like a pretty cool scene where it was just me uh so um I say a really cool scene mm-hmm. but the context of it isn't so great cuz basically Meryl Streep's daughter gets raped in this um, at this party. So we're all there for like this big party scene in this basement and we all, we're all drinking, whatever. And she gets raped in this closet thing. And so like everyone's like leaving the party, whatever. And they picked me um, to kind of like have this little acting role of like where I walk to the door, open the closet and like grab a bunch of coats. And then I find her there. And I just, like, kind of look at her, and I shut the door to ignore this situation. Uh, so, but it got cut from the movie, unfortunately. God damn it. Um, but you shot yeah. it, right? But I shot it, though. Oh, so my it was God. Cool. So it's out there. Uh, I don't know if the footage is actually out there, but... Uh, it's somewhere. It's, it's, it's on the chopping room floor, I guess, if you will. You know, but, Cole, I would have uh, fucked around, and I would have been like, I would have opened the door, and if... Like so, wait. So he was supposed to be out of the closet already and done. Yeah. So he. Oh, yep. God damn it. Yeah. So the whole thing's like done, and she's that like in the bottom. Thing. <laughs> she like is in the bottom of the closet, pretty much just like crying or oh, sobbing, and probably all bloodied and whatever and what you know. But yeah. no, what what would have been cooler is if you would have opened the door and he would have been in there like in the middle of the act, and you would have fucking grabbed him and been like. Get your damn hands off her and fucking throw them like across the room or something. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Yeah. Uh, but instead, I just kind of like, oh, hey guys, I'll see you later. And I <laughs> grab my coat. It's like I, like whatever. And then I look down and I see her. And I just slowly close the door. I would have been like, you got my coat wet, you bitch. Yeah. So much for waterproofing. Fuck. Uh, yeah, that's it was super weird. I was super pumped. I was like, oh man, I'm in this film. Like, <laughs> Because uh, I thought for sure that I was going to get credited, but uh, they cut that from the movie. But you do get to see me in the in the background at the party and whatnot. So, so you are still in it. Oh, all right, I'm definitely gonna have to get this film now. I wonder uh, when did you remember the year that it was made at all? I know. Oh man, it would have been like 2010 to 2012, 2010 maybe. 2010 to 2012. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna look that up, and I will definitely get it if it was available or. It's got to be available somewhere. I'm going to buy it, whether it, it be it digital was, or whatever. It was streaming on Netflix when it first came out, but uh, I'm sure it's long gone now. So well, uh, it was many, many years ago. So, well, I'll keep my but, eyes out, but yeah, like I said, but kind of getting back to the whole Jeff Daniels thing. Yeah. Like I said, you know, I have a very like diverse musical background versus like they have a very diverse. No movie, so it's just like kind of picking their brains of like how the movie industry worked versus how the music industry worked and what kind of coincides and what kind of coexists inside inside them. And uh, yeah, so I had a really good conversation with it. But then again, you know, I was like, "Hey, man, can I just get a picture with you?" And he's like, "Yeah." 
He's like, it'll be 40 bucks. And I was oh. like, dude, you know, like you, you think you kind of are starting to make a personal connection with these people. And then it's just like, ah, but it's I still want the you. money fuckers. Yeah. yeah. So that is but, horrible. Well, yeah. Cole, I got to tell you, it has been a blast being able to chat with you over the last hour. And so, yeah, I really, I really, really enjoyed it. I really hope we can do it again. And I really hope that if you do decide to, um, you know, get something going, like I said, there's, um, I've always got a spot for you over here. I appreciate that. Uh, I'd love to come on a uh, rabbit red episode with you and John sometime too. It'd be a lot of fun to do that again. I, yeah, I definitely think so. Whenever you can, buddy. And good luck, uh, on the, uh, drive on Friday. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I appreciate it. God. Uh, when this show comes out on Sunday, uh, to all the Game of Thrones fans, I'm with you. Let's do this. Final ride. Here we go. Winter is uh, winter is coming apparently. So winter's here. Yeah. See, so. I don't watch it, but I know what that means. Exactly. Exactly. I know so what that means I got to finish Eastbound and Down first, and then I can watch that. Eastbound Down. Eastbound and Down is a great show. Oh. I loved it. Kenny fucking Powers, yes. He's the man. Oh, God, yes, he is. (laughs) All right, well, Cole, hopefully we will talk soon, and um, thanks a lot for coming on. Absolutely, Mike. Thanks for having me.
without conscience And I don't have a name Those crazy little voices talk to me and say Bring me the Turbulence. Boop, 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 boop. Turbulence. <laughs> lucky Land Slots asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.